welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me um, two guests today, and we're going to be talking about preferred supplier lists um, in relation to uh, recruitment firms that have preferred supplier lists of umbrellas for workers to choose from. And joining me is Paul Sheraton, who is an IT contractor, and he has recently launched a petition um, which aims to give people a choice regarding their umbrella, and obviously preferred supplier lists are a large part of that. So welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, um, thank you for inviting me. And also with me is Martin Valentine, and he's a legal advisor at um, a company called The Law Place, who provide legal services covering IR35, employment status, um, and the wider recruitment sector. So warm welcome to you as well, Martin. Thank you very much. Welcome to Tune. Thank you very much for inviting me along this morning. Perfect. Right. So let's get straight on to it then. Um, so, Paul, starting with you, if I can, can you tell us about your experience as a contractor in relation to using umbrella preferred supplier lists um, and also why you set up the petition? Um, yeah, so just a brief overview of myself. Um, I've been kind of contracting on and off for about the last 20 years. And okay. um, I guess the industry has kind of changed a lot in that time um so um i think most recently um i've sort of discovered when i've been contracting that a lot of the recruitment agencies they have these you know preferred supplier lists lists mm. and um and and quite often you know you have a list of um umbrella companies that you have to pick from yeah and um I think in most cases you just kind of accept it, um, but um, I guess I, I had had one um, fairly recently mm. where the umbrella company I was using was kind of um, part of the um, F, FCSA, okay. and yeah. um, they were one of the largest umbrella companies in the country. But um, but the uh, recruitment agency said, you know, they said I couldn't use that. Um, umbrella company which I kind of thought it made me kind of think what was the point having this you know the FCSA regulation Mm. if if um if it's not good enough um and um I think generally throughout my kind of like career in life I've always I've always kind of like um wanted to sort of you know if if there's something which I didn't feel was right like an injustice Mm. um I would always want to try and do something about that. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to create this petition to raise awareness. Um, and um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, the petition has grown, and there are more and more people um, um, following it. So hopefully, you know, we can get more people kind of like 
um, joining that petition. Great. And it, I probably should have taken a step back, actually, before launching straight in to explain very quickly what an umbrella company um, does and, and kind of why these preferred supplier lists um, exist. So just for listeners, um, an umbrella company will employ contractors um, and uh, part of that, a large part of that includes doing the payroll um, for contractors. And the idea, in my view, is that a contractor could have the same umbrella company for continuity um, purposes, but perhaps change recruitment agency, but stick with the same umbrella company. And of course, when you're dealing with your income, that can be quite important to contractors. Is that a fair fair summary, um, Paul? Yes, I'd agree. I mean, uh, even more so, because for example, if you're, um, there's little things, if you want to do like um, the self-assessment, you know, Mm. for a tax return, or you want to um, apply for a mortgage, which I've had to do recently. I mean, it's it's quite challenging applying for a mortgage when you're a contractor, as it is. Yeah. But then if you have to um, contact three or four of your last um, umbrella companies and and trying to get your um, you know your 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 pay slips from them to prove your income, mm. um, it, it becomes quite a hassle. And also, um, you know, for example, like if you want to join the government's, um, I think. It's, um, the nest pension scheme right yeah it's a nightmare because you have to keep on like kind of closing it and reopening it and closing it and reopening it and it's it's completely ridiculous at the moment it's unworkable i'd say yeah so yeah. with each and every change of umbrella you're having to do all this extra admin so it's actually not as straightforward as it might appear to be is is that broadly what you're saying yeah so i'd say so yeah. i mean it's it's it's, it's definitely time consuming and it's quite st- stressful actually yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and so um, I'm going to come to you um, in a second, Martin. But just um, for again for our listeners, um, so a lot of recruitment agencies will have these preferred supplier lists of umbrella companies that that they are working with, um, and and I, I guess that that when when you're a contractor, Paul, the, you you're given this list that you have to then choose from. Um, uh, is is that how it's worked for you? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean that they didn't give you like a list of of ones to kind of choose from, and um, yes, then it's you, you put a lot of trust in these umbrella companies, mm. um, and, um, and and then you can obviously like you know look on look online to find reviews. For the different umbrella companies and um and uh yeah i mean it's it's yeah you try and pick the better ones um, if you can but they they all have different different ways of doing things like for example like i think there's one i've joined recently and uh or in their portal they don't have like an online chat um which okay. is quite i work in it and a lot of modern companies these days you know if you go into the website you'll have an online chat yeah. it makes it really useful but this this new umbrella company they don't, they don't have an online chat so it's, it's the little things too so yeah. it's you know I, I don't have i don't have a choice in which umbrella company i can choose but therefore i i get penalized by having you know in my perception worse customer service because they don't have the functionality of my old umbrella company so it's kind of little things like that as well yeah and I guess in today's world we're very used to having a lot of choice in in kind of what we do um and so so to find to find that choice taken away um for something really quite important uh, which is your income um is 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 difficult and Martin in terms of the preferred supplier list that um that we've outlined do you 
think that they that they are appropriate from a legal perspective because you and I have had discussions before in relation to mm. agency conduct regulations could you outline kind of yes. your thinking around that yes um there has been substantial legal debates online various sources primarily led by um legal commentators who have connections with um umbrella bodies mm. who try to d- deny that some um, preferred supplier list um as a requirement to use an umbrella at all let alone one from a preferred supplier list um is lawful um and so my view a requirement for a work seeker to use um an umbrella at all let alone an umbrella from a preferred supplier list is a potentially breach of the conduct regulations where there's a preferred supplier list involved um in my view there is arguably a connection between the recruiter on the one hand and yeah. the um, list of umbrella and the umbrellas on the PSL on the other. Um, okay. So uh, without um, going into merciless detail with the regulations, <laughs> there's uh, regulation five of these conduct to employment agencies and employment businesses regulations prohibits or, or, or any requirements on, on a um, work seeker to use a connected service. And the question is, what is a connected service? Um, so we look, if we look at the definition of connected um, mm. in the conduct regulations, um, it means um, a, a person who is in partnership with the recruiter. Okay, yeah. Um, now, where lawyers argue is in the definition of the word partnership, um, you could say that it doesn't actually refer to the Partnership Act 1890. It, it's a, the word refers, could refer to the word partnership in general sense and dictionary sense. And that could refer to a joint venture. Now, I think a um, PSL, which could in- involve the exchange of money between the umbrella company and the recruiter for the mm. umbrella company to be on the PSL, um, could be a joint venture at the very least and possibly even breach the Bribery Act. Um, but simply um, a requirement for um, F- FCSA um, approval, etc., is completely mm. nebulous because the FCSA is not absolutely not a statutory regulator they don't have regulations of their own they're, they're not governed by any statutes at all or any um, delegated legislation the crucial fact is is there has been d- developments with umbrella companies which is what we need to touch on as well mm-hmm. is that um very often umbrella companies require um have a, con- a term in the contract which require um, the work seekers who opt out of the conduct regulations and there has been a case recently where um, an opt out by someone who's not self-employed um, was deemed to be void. Right. Yes. But there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of developments going on, but the, the, there is, I think a, quite a strong argument to say that um, in cases where there's no opt out in place with conduct regulations, um, that's and the reason why you don't, you must never opt out of the conduct regulations if you're a contractor and you're not outside R35 because you wipe away all the statutory protection the regulations give you. Right. So the basic position is if, if there's a um, any requirement to use a service from a connected person is prime facie unlawful and and a connection could be deemed to exist um, if you're dealing with a list of umbrellas on a preferred supplier list because that looks mm-hmm. like a joint venture in the same way as you might a joint venture could be something like a consortium of 
suppliers who are working with Network Rail or some other government organisation. Right. Okay. That's interesting because I've never really thought um, about about the preferred supply list as being a joint venture. But I guess what you're saying is in in kind of legal um, uh, definition, then it could be seen seen as it. Yes, it's a wider interpretation of the word partnership. Um, okay. So that, that's the crucial point, is what is a partnership? Is it, um, in my view, it doesn't have to be a strict partnership, as you would find, say, in a firm of accountants, lawyers, architects, et cetera, yeah. where you have a list of people who are um, grouped okay. together and to, to accept the liabilities and profits of running the partnership. It could mm. be deemed to be a joint venture between um, two persons. And it crucially uses the word person rather than individual, and a person means a company as well as, as a natural person. Oh. Okay, interesting. So th- this is all kind of down to the, the legal detail, um, and and I guess yeah. um, uh, open to interpretation of what that legal detail means. Because I have seen um, counter arguments um, uh, that that would sort of disagree with it, and I I can't get into them because I'm not legally qualified. So if I try and <laughs> get well, into the counter arguments, I, I mean well. yes, I mean what what I'd what I'd say is is that. Um, there's all kinds of arguments that um about the definition of um connection now what i think would have to happen would be for a um umbrella worker to or um, contractor to bring a case in court and for the court to make a um a binding decision um Mm. on um which determines the question of um what is meant by a partnership in regulations 31c of the conduct regulations now, the, the fly in the ointment to all this, um, and the reason why an opt-out from the conduct regulations is so important is because the minute a contractor opts out of the conduct regulations, yeah, um, the, the, the protection in the conduct regulations is on the face of it lost unless, there's, unless the contractor can argue that the opt-out is itself void. Now, right. I've, and now there's been a seismic change in recruitment law recently, um, mm-hmm. in the case of Ryanair, um, it's basically decided yes. that um, any any umbrella worker who's not self-employed who opts out of the conduct regulations, they're basically pressured into doing it. They're given a whole list of spurious arguments and, and reasons why opting out is is um, essential, etc. The issue is none of the arguments I've seen are um, legally robust in, in favour okay. of opting out for non-self-employed workers, in other words, umbrella workers. Yeah. Yeah. And the best position to be in, really, is is to either, um, you know, if someone has to wants to really, really wants to use an umbrella, have their own choice, or yeah. be a PAY temp and get the full protection of the regulations and uh, and law generally. Okay, um, so if I followed that correctly, and um, I I think I have. Um, a lot of umbrellas um, will will ask workers to opt out of the conduct regs when they when they sign up to to them. Is is that your experience, Paul? Have you come across that? Or you might you might not have even noticed because I guess there's lots of terms and conditions when you're signing up anyway that you agree to. I mean, basically, I'm kind of aware of that, um, yeah. but. Um, uh, because I mean I haven't a way of solving of it, but um, then I, I I've never kind of opted out of it because I'm not going to opt out of something which I don't really know a lot, a lot about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I've always been a bit cautious with stuff like that, and but I've never been pressured into um, you know to to not ticking it as such. 
so yeah I've always I've always I've always selected that yeah that's that's really positive and so Martin it's my understanding on the conduct regulations basically um when people are opting out of them they're potentially losing some protections that are there specifically for agency workers exactly yes issue is is that the minute a contractor opts out of the, of the conduct regulations, and, they, and agencies will ask them to do this so that the umbrella um, and the agency don't have to um, pay automatically. They can withhold payments until, until they're paid by the clients. Right. So there's yeah. two things as well. So um, because um, umbrellas get paid for payrolling their employees, um, and of course um, employment businesses get a margin for the supply of the to, um, umbrella workers um, services mm. um, there is actually um, what, what they're trying to do is, is, is get the contractor to opt out so that um, they can impose much stricter um, terms on post-termination restrictions such as working directly for the clients and, right. and, the, and the frequent issue is, is that clients will get to the end of the engagement and say well we want to employ this work directly um, mm. what, we may have, a, have to pay a bit of money to the agency but um, and, and then ask the um, umbrella worker, can you come join us? And, and, and the umbrella worker will say, hang on, I've got a clause in my contract which says I, I mustn't work for you for a whole year after termination of this contract because I've opted out of the conduct regulations. Oh, wow. I didn't realise it was it could be um, that long So and, and that significant. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, that's slightly embarrassing because I have been in this sector for for more years, <laughs> more years than, than I I care to to add add up. So, um, Paul, just re- referring to to back to you. Um, in relation to these preferred supply lists, um, one of the things that those of us in the industry are aware that takes place is the financial um, exchanges that may go on um, between an umbrella and the recruitment agency in order to be on the preferred supply list. Whether whether those incentives are direct business to business or whether they are more dubious form, um, not through business accounts. Um, it, it, there's a variety of different uh, arrangements that take place. What I want to ask you anyway, um, I'm taking forever to do so, is are, are contractors aware that there is this um, financial background to, to preferred supply lists sometimes? Basically, I'd say like yes and no. I mean, um, okay. I think being a, being a contractor, um, you know, you, you want to follow the follow the law, and you, you you're kind of forced to use these umbrella companies. Mm. But, but then you know you kind of realise that these umbrella companies, in fact, when they um, I think maybe when I first started contracting, you could choose your umbrella company generally, but but now you get these preferred supplier lists. Yeah. And um, yes, I mean I think you'd be quite naive to think that there wasn't some sort of financial involvement in there um you know so yes i think i think you're probably aware of it but um yeah. i was going to say for example when you i don't know if it's quite the same here but for example when you go onto like youtube or you go onto instagram you get influencers on there and um i think recently they've advertised standards authority were um looking at influencers on there and saying that you're you're advertising a product so you need to you need to, you need to like be clear what you're advertising so it, it, from yeah. my point of view, being a consumer, I think that these um, recruitment agencies should be uh, transparent and clear 
about yeah. um, if, if, if there's financial money involved in them having these, um, you know, um, uh, um, umbrella companies on their PSL. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Um, and and you know, there's not necessarily anything wrong in in what's going on, unless unless it is completely dodgy cash under the table sort of thing. Um, they, and I think. I mean, I can only speak for myself, um, but from my perspective, if it's declared, it wouldn't necessarily put me off choosing um, a particular firm. And I, I and I know mortgage brokers, I mean, you, you've probably done it more recently than me from the sounds of things. Um, they, you know, they, they, they have to state if, if there's um, a, a commission involved. Is, is that correct? Yeah, and what's that, your view? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of recently uh, dealt with uh, mortgage brokers yeah. and Yes, they, they're they very clear from the start um, what their fees are. And um, yes, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I just want them to be up front with me. You know, I, I think the fact, that the fact that they're not being kind of totally transparent, um, you know, it doesn't kind of sit well with me. In relation to the financial um, exchanges going on behind preferred supplier lists, um, we know that they can be, variable in their in the the size of the incentive taking place and some people within the industry would have commented that that it's akin to bribery in some instances do you, what's your sense of things from the perspective of the bribery act without going into huge amounts of legal detail yeah i mean it could be an offense under um section one um bribing another person and possibly um an offense um under being um, for being bribed under Section 2 of the Bribery Act 2010. There's lots of other sections that could be relevant too. Uh, okay. And it's a question of, is there an improper purpose? I think there are, in summary, quite strong arguments to suggest that um, the payment by an um, umbrella um, to a recruiter um, to be on the PSL is a, a breach of the Bribery Act 2010 uh, and the receipt of the bribe by the recruiter is also an offence, and what the argument be is, is um, what is the improper purpose? And I think just simply the um, financial and, and profits to be gained by being on a PSL, because mm-hmm. you cut out all the competition. And the yeah. question is, what what does the umbrella get out of it? They they get, um, and what does the agency get out of it? So it's a, a a bargain which involves substantial profit for the umbrella because it's some um, guaranteed business. Yeah, and, and by virtue of it being a preferred supplier list, then that mm. the umbrella that's paying for that won't be in competition with other umbrellas exactly. because it's already restricted. It's, it's distorting the market, so there could be competition issues as well. The word compliance is um, overused in recruitment. So it's just, um, uh, you know, I've noticed it's not as a defence for the use of umbrellas on PSLs. Interesting. And I, I I do use the word compliance quite a lot myself, actually, but you're right. It it, it means different things to, to different people. I mean, Paul, what, how important is compliance to, to contractors? It should be a two-way street. If they're saying to us, um, okay, we need to make sure that this um, umbrella company is compliant. Well, it's like, well, what about my compliance? What about my data? And what about yeah. sort of GD, GDPR? And you know, is is my data encrypted at rest? Is it encrypted in transit? Um, yeah. Does it have like zero access? For example, if I if I choose an email account, you know, those are or like an online cloud service. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. And is you know, is my data being sold on? You know, yeah. it's is you know, it should be a two way street, like anything. You know, if you buy 
really. Yeah, I'm I'm always very conscious of my own personal data, and and I guess you're probably more so, having seen different things. I guess from in the world of of IT, um, in in which you you work. Um, so. So yeah, this brings us back to the original point, which is um, the the petition that that is running, and I'll include a link to it um, with the notes that go with this podcast. Um, and and from talking to you um, a couple of times now, I get the definite sense it's not about causing trouble or or attention seeking or or anything like that um, at all, um, is it? Because it's 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 more about genuine choice for for the reasons that you've just outlined. Yeah, it's just about um, having a genuine choice. You know, for example, if I'm applying for a mortgage, as far as I'm aware, the mortgage can't, company can't turn around to me and say, "Oh, you have to you have to select five banks from our list." You know, it's ridiculous, really, when you think mm. about it. I mean, I understand that there probably are um, there's probably some umbrella companies out there which are better than other ones, um, but I think there needs to be I think there needs to be some sort of government re- uh, reg- regulation of the industry. They are talking about it, and they have been for for a number of years, um, and uh, they they are committed to it. It's just when it will happen, isn't it, Martin? That's right. I mean, there's been lots of um, critical um, papers being sent to the. Um, governments about recruitment industries, but there hasn't. But, but we're some way off from a, um, you know, particularly with um, what's happening internationally at the moment. So, anything things such as some um, regulation of the umbrella sector may be um, of a slightly lower priority. But I think it has, if if um, this what this is very good about this um, petition is is to raise the profile yeah. of umbrella workers who who quite frankly have been exploited. Um, you know, and then and there needs to be much greater transparency in the industry as to what the rights of workers are um, yeah. um, from organ- you know, um, in, in a general sense, rather than from trade bodies, and et cetera, who may have a vested interest in protecting recruiters and umbrellas. It is it is frustrating, um, the the kind of lack of awareness. And I, I think um I think from contractors' perspective, I guess um you're speaking really to you, Paul. Um, I get I guess you're all just wanting to do whatever the, the work is, whatever your profession is. And actually this stuff is almost admin that that you might might kind of get on top of as as and when. But I guess you're just busy trying to do what you do. Yeah, you know, um Exactly. You know, I'm just kind of working in IT and, you know, I just want to do my day job. You know, I'm not an employment lawyer, you know, I'm just an IT consultant, you know, and I just want to work in IT and it it, it, it really should be that simple. I think we've pretty much covered everything that that um, that I had in mind. Um, so a huge thank you both for your time for, for joining us today. And and yeah, we're, we'll keep on um rattling the cage for for more choice for workers and i do know it's not necessarily as straightforward as as we might hope um but but yeah we'll 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 keep on getting the message out there so thank you both for joining me thank you very much have a great day thank you for listening to empowering agency workers hosted by julia kermode for more information on today's discussion please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community we hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did then we would love you to subscribe rate and review our podcast we'll be back at the same time next week